Hello and welcome to Cannabis Network Radio. I'm your host, David Kowalski, along with your co-host, N.A. Poe. Today is Wednesday, October 2nd, 2013, and we have a great show in store for you. Uh, in just a little bit, we're going to have Danny Danko, a uh, senior cultivation advisor, among uh, other things, as well as host is the Freeweed podcast of uh, High Times Magazine uh, with us, uh, probably around 8.15. Um, we're going to actually do a little things in reverse uh, this week. We're going to let you listen to some uh, tunes uh, for Dank Goodness from Danka as we usually kick off the show. And uh, Poe and I are going to get some started uh, with taking some pot shots early in the show as opposed to the end of the show uh, since we uh, have our guests coming on uh, a little bit later this evening. Uh, we'll be back in just a few more minutes to Cannabis Network Radio. Relax, relax, 
Welcome back to Cannabis Network Radio. How is everyone doing this evening? I should say, I, I, you know, I hate to ask that question because no one really can answer me. Poe, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I just need a dab that made smoke come out of every orifice of my body. But other than that, I'm hanging in here. Every orifice? I don't know, Dave. Only the orif- There's only like, <laughs> like two orifices in my nose are the only visible orifices. Oh, visible orifices. All right, not every orifice. You know, like yeah. I mean, you got your not ears, me. too. Does smoke come out of your ears? Yeah, man, it was a pretty, a pretty nice one. But <laughs> actually, I didn't do that because I'm on bail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You were thinking about doing it. You were thinking about doing it. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I did a, um, yeah. It was a computer simulation of me doing that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. From an undisclosed yeah. location in Radioland for our listeners' enjoyment, for perpetuation of the mission of the show, not per se in literal terms. Right. Yeah. This is all an act. Any Poe actually isn't even an actual person. Right. I have a real name. Everything I do under this can be chalked up to bad acting. Uh, there you go. There you have it. It is. It is, it is all staged and in good fun. <laughs> of course. Can you tell so. that from the federal government, Dave? Yes. I, absolutely. I, I'll send them a memo right now. I'm, I'm going ahead and uh, sending an email um, to them as we speak. Uh, I'll get on top of that. Speaking of the federal government, real quick. Um, I did actually get a call back the other day from from the uh, park police, like I told you, and then I called them back at at uh, eight thirty that other morning to the number the guy said, and then another guy called me back to leave me a message to tell me that I'm the yeah, reached the wrong person and to call somebody else. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting the good uh, old the whole, good whole runaround with uh, talking to the uh, to the park police, but we'll track them down. We'll track them down. So, and that's uh, what the bureaucracy is, Dave. I do appreciate you reaching out since I am uh, currently banned from being within 100 feet of um, the Liberty Bell. Uh, it, it was a, a great show of friendship for you when you first met me to you know, reach out to the park police and, and to, ma- to demand some answers. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. I mean, that's, listen, if, if, you know, whether they answer or not is one thing. The fact that we have the right to question our government, it's our constitutional right, and they're supposed to give us answers. You know, I'm going to go ahead and, and demand answers, especially, especially when, you know, the government's currently shut down because of lack of funding and the fact that, you know, Eric Holder made a statement saying that they're going to cut back on spending government resources, you know, to to persecute. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, misdemeanor uh, cannabis crimes. And I definitely think that your case falls into a misdemeanor cannabis crime. And the fact that they spent nearly upwards of $50,000 the last smoke down um, kind of is going backwards and against what Eric Holder said. So I really would like, you know, to hold and get some answers and, and hold them accountable as to why they're continuing to do this, uh, you know, and uh, whatnot. So yeah, who knows? I, I personally want to thank Eric Holder from taking time out from running guns uh, to Mexico to, uh, you know, make a statement like that. I hope he follows through with it. Yeah, I, I hope so as well. I mean, for sure. <laughs> you know, but who knows? You know, obviously, you know, there, there's things that they say and things that they do. But, you know, the difference is, is that there's going to be people like me and you that are going to start holding them accountable for the things that they say. So, and we're not just going to go ahead and... Uh, we're in a vicious game of checkers with uh, the federal the federal park rangers here in Philadelphia. I know. So, speaking of which, um, <laughs> so I heard you all... Uh, I guess we'll just jump into a pot shot because I think we did a pretty good pot shot with the whole, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, punking the uh, park police. So uh, why don't you share uh, with us a bit about that, what went down with that, and uh, 
we'll we'll run with that first before we bring uh, Danny Danko on. Yeah, well, the first thing is, if this is your first time listening to the show, me and Dave are doing a segment uh, every uh, time we do the show called Pot Chats, where we're just going to take a little ribbing at, you know, something that got was, was kind of fucked up or whatever in the marijuana community this week. So this week, um, we had the government shutdown, Dave. Uh, all these people were getting laid off. Uh, the resources were supposed to, everyone's supposed to, you know, tighten the, the, the belt, uh, so to speak, a little bit more. So uh, we decided to uh, do an impromptu meme. And I just want to say from the get-go, it was a meme. It said that we'd be smoking down the park today because it was closed and that we were making some jokes saying we were going to take the park and et cetera. Um, so we set up a meme and uh, we uh, caused a, a shitstorm of um, troopers uh, from troopers and rangers and city police it all showed up on the day the government was shut down. And the thing is, there was no smoke down prohibition. There was no rally. We named it a false flag. We just wanted to see if the government was watching our social media, which they are. And that's, that sucks. Whoever has to watch our social media is either like laughing his ass off or like grinding his teeth. And I'd like to hope that maybe he gets a little kick out of us. So quick shout out to him, whoever or her, whoever's watching our Facebook page. You guys have the best job in the world. So they alerted the Rangers. We went down. We took a bunch of photos of all the waste of money and resources. There was uh, 30 park rangers there, Dave, uh, just on the threat on our social media that we were going to smoke down the park. And then a small group went elsewhere in the city to an undisclosed location, smoked marijuana openly, took a nice fuck you picture, and put it on the Internet. And I'm happy to say that uh, some journalists in Philadelphia picked it up, uh, you know, uh, a popular paper in Philadelphia, Philadelphia Weekly, um, actually ran a meme of us that we had Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons saying, ha ha, at, at a bunch of the Rangers. So awesome. uh, it was definitely a great day for the comedy activists in Philadelphia. I'd like to thank everyone that was involved in hooking the Park Rangers because you know what? Y'all got egg on your face. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. We should do things like that more often. <laughs> Yeah, you know. I mean, we tried to do it again today. We did it today for a little while, and uh, they didn't believe many guys down there. Look, the point is, is that we want to point out that resources and money are wasted on marijuana offenses. Okay, now, granted, in Philadelphia, we are in a like we're in a battle here. Okay, uh, this is personal. You know, I'm sure both sides in some in some way could admit that. Um, the way Goldberg sneers at me in court um, makes me feel as if uh, he definitely wasn't like me. I hope that when he goes to bed at night and he looks over at his wife, he sees like my face with his wife's hair or something like that, you know? Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> imagine. I mean, not only does he look like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, but he's like, you know, I hope that every time he closes his eyes, he sees my face. Because the thing is, he thinks that stopping me and my comedy is going to stop the marijuana movement in Pennsylvania. And Dave, let me say one <laughs> thing. This marijuana movement in, in Pennsylvania is growing, okay? It has all different kinds of people involved in it now, mothers, fathers, law enforcement officials, you know, people with people that are patients. Uh, we have a, a great coalition of people building in Pennsylvania, and uh, they're not going to stop us. So <laughs> it's actually inspiring. And to get away with, uh, you know, talking them publicly, I mean, it was just literally, 
one of the best moments of my career thus far. And I'd like to thank Scott Gasek for uh, yes, for, thank, for making me laugh. Thank you, Scott. That, yeah, that was all over, dude. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times everyone wants to make it like I'm the only person that uh, you know is behind the Panic Hour, and the Panic Hour is a bunch of thugs, uh, <laughs> real intelligent thugs, male and female. We have we have a tranny too. And awesome. They are going to find creative ways to, to make you look bad. So uh, watch out if you try to take us up. Well, I think we got a whole lot of, of, of tricks and all kinds of, of interesting um, things to come that I think no one's really expecting. Um, so uh, I think, I think uh, activism can kind of be taken to a new level with um, – you know some some of the things we have have in store and the places we're going to go and the people we're going to see and the things we're going to do and so uh yeah and speaking of like uh legalization in, in Pennsylvania there was just an article today i think you shared with me uh that 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 basically on the cover of of the publication it said uh it said if crossed out when weed becomes legal in Pennsylvania and like that was like front page article and was it the uh it was the cover story of 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 like I don't remember which magazine, but uh, it was what Philly Weekly or something. Yeah, Philadelphia Weekly is actually available all over everywhere in the city for free. And I just like to say, Dave Kowalski comes to Philadelphia one time for like a weekend, and he's in the papers like twice. I've been working here for two <laughs> years, and it took me like a, a year to to, to break my cherry. My foot in uh, Philadelphia is all over the paper. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I I tend to make my presence known. <laughs> you know, it's one of it's one of those things that comes along with being an outspoken activist. It's like, here I am. This is what I'm going to do, and uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so uh, that's that's the way it goes. You know. Yeah. So he didn't think the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is ever going to come around on marijuana, but Chris Goldstein went out to um, Harrisburg yesterday for a forum, and they, some of the Republican senators. Uh, he said that a Republican senator sat across from a woman that has a daughter that had seizures that needs marijuana and told her to move to a state where it's legal and said that he had sympathy for her. The marijuana is not a priority to be legalized in the state. And I think that at this point in the game, that's fucking criminal. And the people that live in these districts that have these dinosaurs representing them, and the thing is they're not even representing them, Dave. 82% of the residents of Pennsylvania want medical marijuana legalized, okay? What Our representatives need to start speaking for us, and I'd hate to get into politics, Dave, because, to be honest, I'm an anarcho-Rastafarian. But, mm-hmm. you know, we need to have the political people that are in office representing the people where they have to go. I'm never going to vote. I'm a felon. And like I said, I'm an anarcho-Rastafarian. It's not, it's not a matter I, of you're never going to vote, because, you know, that can be changed as well, and laws can be changed about... You know things like that, but nonetheless, I can say this, <clears throat> and this is a message going out to all the Congress people that are petitioning or voting or talking against cannabis marijuana use, and it's it's a very simple statement. And whoever's listening to this and the podcast or whatever, even share it with a politician. I want you to be warned. I want you all to be warned that if we find and we come together with another family who suffers a loss because they are not able to access medical use of marijuana because of laws you are enforcing, we're going to sue you. So, 
It's it's very simple. That's the way it's going to go. You know, by by a congressperson, an official, a police officer, whatever the case, hindering a person's access to medicine that will save their life, that will result in their death, you're killing a person. And we're going to come after you. I know a great lawyer in Philadelphia, Kyle Prouty Esquire. Quick shout out to my <laughs> intern, Kyle, who beat SEPTA by himself. He is 1 0 against the SEPTA Transit Police. Who so have? if you need a lawyer, Kyle Prouty Esquire. Oh, yeah, there you go. All right. So, um, Danny uh, should be uh, available. Uh, here shortly, we're gonna we're gonna bring him on. I'm kind of excited to uh, be having Danny Danko on tonight, <clears throat> senior cultivation editor, High Times Magazine, and host of the Free Weed Podcast as well. Um, very excited to be doing a, a, a co, whatever you want to call it, co show with with High Times and Free Weed and Danny and and all that jazz. Um, very very excited about that. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that have questions for him because I see that the chat rooms kind of started sort of getting busy. Um, and uh, we uh, have a great show lined up. Uh, we have lots to talk about. Um, what else you got going on uh, on your end of things, Poe? Well, actually, I've been trying to get back into the comedy game a little bit. I'm like stepping back a little bit. I'm doing a, a show called Comedy Gasm next week, which I'm kind of uh, excited about doing in Philly. It's like where people go and tell sex stories. Now, I performed at erotic salons before, mm-hmm. where like uh, this is one of the funniest things you'll see. It'll be um, when people come to these things and they tell stories about sex, but it's never like the people you would think. Like people will get up on. Um, you know, a guy in a pair of khakis will get up and tell, like, some dirty sex story he wrote. So it's really just, like, a weird, provocative, open sexual community. And I uh, actually started going to these uh, events and doing stand-up comedy, and the people uh, the people loved them, you know, uh, a lot of dirty humor and stuff. So I got a show like that coming up. Uh, make sure like, make sure that to... make sure you tell the people there to bring those uh, uh, <clears throat> online vibrators we discussed on last show, <laughs> you know, whatever, so they can go ahead and, you know... <laughs> listen to uh, the show and, and, and tweet and text and all that and, and vibrate, you know, all at the same time, like we discussed would be a great idea. So. <laughs> Without a doubt, I have a joke that I do sometimes. It's not really that funny, but I'm saying that the iPhone, you know, everyone loves the iPhone. I think the iPhone's missing two things. The iPhone needs a vaporizer, and on the other end, it needs to have one of those, what, what are they called that you put them on your dick? Uh, flashlight. So we need a, a vaporizer and a flashlight attachment to the iPhone. At that point, I will never leave my house again. <laughs> it wow. go over very well. We're, we're just we're killing time, right? For day. <laughs> yes. Well, on that note, now that we're thinking about new inventions to uh, enter the the world of cross the cross the line between cannabis and and sex toys. Um, we'll have some engineers drop some schematics on that and and see where we can. Uh, a role and venture into a whole new world of, of marketing campaigns. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump to a quick song, and we're going to be back with uh, Danny Danko um, in just a couple minutes here on Cannabis Network Radio. I hear music 
back with Cannabis Network Radio, and we've got on with us uh, Danny Danko, um, and of course our co-host, Annie Poe. How are you doing, Danny? Welcome to Cannabis Network Radio. I'm good. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm good. Sorry I'm a little late, but uh, I do appreciate the opportunity, so thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much. I, I do have to say that, uh, you know, uh, you were definitely a, a listening inspiration to me for getting myself uh, geared up and getting on to the to the radio and I guess becoming a radio activist as well. Um, so, uh, you know, props to you and I'm very honored uh, to have you on the show with me. So, um, I, I got a whole bunch of stuff here that, that I kind of want to, want to go into. Um, but let's just do a typical rundown since, you know, from the high times end of things, um, how are things going with the cannabis cup in Amsterdam? Um, like how are things shaping up? Uh, any new things to expect this year? Um, and uh, are there still spots available for people to come and sign up? And how did they go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're gearing up for the 26th annual Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. It's going to be uh, this November, November 24th through the 28th. And people can check out CannabisCup.com for more info and uh, the frequently asked questions and stuff like that. You can find out more about the event. We've got uh, some rappers booked, Killer Mike and LP, and we're booking some other people as we speak, so I don't want to speak until we have, uh, you know, ink on the paper, but it's going to be pretty exciting. And if people, you know, want to check out uh, CannabisCup.com, they can find out more about it. We're at the same location this year as last year, which is the Roast, and then we have all our nighttime stuff going on at the uh, uh, the Milkweg in Amsterdam, and we're excited. I mean... We've been doing these cups here in the U.S. now for, for like three years, and, you know, we love doing that as well, but there's really nothing like the Dutch coffee shop experience, so we really hope people can make it over there and check out the unique way that people uh, tolerate cannabis and, that you know, the coffee shop scene where you can order off a menu and you can sit and have a coffee or a 
juice and smoke a joint, and it's all very acceptable, and, and um, you're treated like a, you know, like a customer instead of a criminal. So yeah. we really dig that, and they're, they're at the forefront of that, and that scene still lives. I know a lot of people have heard that there's changes happening, but um, the coffee shops are, are open for business, and they're, they're welcoming tourists in Amsterdam, so we're excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you on that, you know, from, from, you know, experiencing Amsterdam and experiencing, you know, Colorado, Seattle, California, you know, all those places, there's something about, there's a certain, I don't know, vibe, feeling, you know, I, I don't really know how to explain it, that you get just from, from being in Amsterdam and, and experiencing that whole that whole thing. And, you know, after being there a few times, I definitely went ahead and uh, started going off the beaten path in Amsterdam and find like all the like the local smoke shops as opposed to like all the main ones. So I've had pretty good time doing that too. Kind of like going into little divey corner ones as opposed to all like the big name ones. So that's kind of been fun as well. Yeah, ab- so. absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I love going to a shop um, off the beaten path and just ordering up the menu and just sitting and enjoying that experience. It's so much nicer. I mean, I can remember the first time I did it years and years ago. Uh, you know, it was an, actually an emotional experience. It really um, resonated with me, so to speak. And, you know, they they basically laid the foundation for everything that we do over here as far as, you know, retail sales and um, the way that dispensaries sort of run their businesses. So, you know, I think we should pay homage to them. We are honoring uh, Jorge Cervantes with the Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, wow. yeah. We're working on uh, getting some really interesting people for the Counterculture Hall of Fame. and So, yeah, all that stuff is getting put together. People awesome. should check out CannabisCup.com if they want to um, remain aware of what's going on and, and the new bookings that we're doing. They can check our Facebook and our Twitter. Um, cool. Yeah, we're, we're just excited. People thought maybe last year was the last year we would do the Cannabis Cup over there and you know, the laws were a little bit uh, murky and in jeopardy of being changed, but all that's pretty much over now, and, you know, they're welcoming tourists, and we're excited to go back over there. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they, the Dutch realized that, you know, the Anne Frank house doesn't bring as much revenue as coffee shops do, so tourism <laughs> revenue. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's been <laughs> estimated at somewhere around 500, uh, 500 million euros a year that are generated by the industry, and I know... Cannabis Cup alone generates a lot of uh, of that as well. If you're looking at the hotel rooms and the um, you know the flights over and, and the money people spend on food and museums, and that's another thing about Amsterdam that's very unique. I mean, it's a European city with, with beautiful museums, beautiful architecture, very historic, and uh, you know that's a, another one of the added benefits of, of going over there. So, I, I haven't been too, to I, Amst- love it there. I haven't been to Amsterdam in about two years. Uh, maybe about a year and a half or so. Um, has concentrates migrated there at all, or is that still uh, far? You know, from... it's 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 a little bit murky territory because they're not uh, technically legal over there. But uh, you know, as long as they just call it hash, um, it's there. It's very expensive, and there's only a few places where you can find um, concentrates. But one of the unique things that they have are the import hashes things. Things like right. uh, you know Moroccan and, and Lebanese and Indian hash and things that we really don't get a lot of over here, especially now that people are making a lot of their own concentrates. But those, you know, they have a flavor. They have, um, you know, I like to say, 
um, borrow a phrase from wine, that they have a certain terroir yeah, as well. Absolutely. They're coming from places like Morocco with you know, these massive traditions for many, many hundreds of years of hash making. And uh, I just think that there's a certain element that they have that sometimes maybe the concentrates we have might be lacking, even though you know, the potency is obviously a little higher with what we're working with. But um, there's something to be said for the, the traditional way of of sifting the dry sift and, and pressing the hash together and heating it all together and mixing those you know all those essential oils together into this thing that represents it where it came from. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it's funny because you know I'm I'm sitting here listening to you and like I perceive things you know especially in the world of cannabis the, the same way and you know I think that that you know general smokers really don't perceive it in that depth which I think makes it all the more exciting for people like you and me to experience something like that like there's a place in Amsterdam a shop in Amsterdam stands out the Blue Dolphin um, and they have I think personally from the hash I've tried in different places in Amsterdam they, they have the best I think hash out of out of all the places I've tried um, and it's uh, not really a main place, but it's they're known for the hash, at least by locals. I don't know if you've ever tried that place or not, but um, well, what place was it? The Blue Dolphin. Oh, Blue Dolphin! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's the Bluebird and the Dolphin. I know uh, both of those spots, and Bluebird in particular, from what I remember, has like a very unique uh, menu of hash. Yep. Um, it's almost like a booklet that you flip through. You know what? It might be blue. I might be. I might be incorrect. It might be in a bluebird, but it might be the blue dolphin was a hash I tried at Bluebird. It was one, it was either blue, oh, okay. dolphin or bluebird. I could have been mistaken, but yeah, it was something along it's those easy, lines. So. It's easy to mix up uh, the names over there as well because everything's you know um, quite similar. And sometimes in Dutch, you know, the Damkring and the Brokerai um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. stuff. So there's all these shops with unique Dutch names. And so, uh, so are yeah, you are you I'm brushing just, up uh, on your Dutch? <laughs> I just what excuse me? I said are you brushing up on your Dutch? <laughs> yeah, you know, over the years now I've I've p- definitely picked up a lot of it. One of the cool things though is there's such a, a a culture of sort of mercantile and 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 sales and stuff that they they most of them know English and aren't uh you know aren't too uh adverse to using English in in oh, the conversations yeah. Absolutely. and you know yeah. Um, as opposed to if you go to like Spain or or other other France. parts of Europe, they're <laughs> France and yeah, they they prefer to speak their own language. But um, yeah. Dutch people really, uh, you know, they they speak English. Basically, they learn it at a very young age, and um, it's, it's taught you know, in school. Not, yeah, it's taught in school. I mean, actually, I've actually over the years, I've made some really good friends. Um, you know, in, in in the Netherlands in general. So, uh, you know, I keep I keep in good contact with there. So, um, Poe, you got anything? Uh, you're quiet over there. You got anything for Danny? No, I'm just listening. Just listening? No, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to get into more of, I guess, a, a, a discussion, Dan, of something that you and I agree on, and, and I don't think we ever had a conversation about this, you and I personally, but I've heard you talk about it on panels. I've heard you talk about it in your show. Um, obviously, you have your own podcast, which you do for High Times, Free, free Weed. Um, and from my understanding, and, and if I'm incorrect, the purpose of that is because you believe that people should have access to cannabis without having to pay exorbitant prices. Um, do you want to expand on that a little bit and, and your vision or thought about that? Um, and then I'll kind of go into conversation with that about you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always felt like, you know, $400 or $350 for an ounce of marijuana is just an outrageous price to pay. And the price is inflated by the risks of prohibition. And clearly, you know, the cost of producing it without prohibition in the way are, are much cheaper, you know, pennies on the dollar. And, you know, I just, I think that that's a good thing. And I think that as things become more legal, prices are obviously reduced. We've seen that in Colorado. We've seen it in Washington, California as well. Um, it's very difficult to get away with charging really high prices um, when your risk has been greatly reduced. And so I do think, you know, along the same lines as the way people grow vegetables and, and, and herbs in their garden, they can grow cannabis and share it with their friends and have enough for themselves. And I think ultimately we can take a lot of the black market pricing out of the plant and people can still make a living. I mean, if you grow any crop, you can make a living if it's desirable and it's priced properly. But I do think that, you know, the, the you know, inflation of the price of good cannabis because of the, you know, risks of prohibition and risks of, you know, getting it from place to place and all of that are, you know, greatly inflated. And I think that ultimately we, people can produce it themselves very cheaply and if they can't produce it, they can have friends that produce it. And ultimately, I just want to get some of that commercial vibe sort of removed from it because, you know, we're really talking about a flower um, that people can pretty easily grow. You know, I try to teach people how to do it, but the, the biggest tip is kind of to stay out of the way in a lot of ways and not overwater, not overfeed, and not do too much to sort of impede the progress of your plants. And, you know, they want to grow. There's a reason people call it weed. It, it, it wants to grow. <laughs> it wants weed. to reproduce. It wants to flower. It, all those things are part of its genetic code. And I think, uh, you know, ultimately, if we can free the plant and we can basically re reduce it to the level of a vegetable or a flower or an herb um, with, you know, psychoactive properties, but yet still very mild um, in comparison to you know, other psychoactive plants. And I just, uh, that's my mission. That's my mission with the podcast, with my column that I write, with the articles that I write in High Times, with my panels at the Cannabis Cups. It's really just to educate people that you don't need acres and acres of you know, land to grow marijuana. You can do it in a closet. You can do it in a grow box. You can do it in a spare bedroom or a you know, garage or, or an attic, and that's really, you know, ultimately my goal, I guess, is to, uh, you know, overgrow the government, If it, you know, to borrow a phrase from many other people, but that's sure. really the idea. Yeah. And I, I have a question for you, though. How do you convince the federal government to take marijuana off the Schedule One list if uh, the ultimate goal is to deregulate it to a point that the government's not going to get anything out of it. I think we all you know, know that the government is you know, going to want their hands in on marijuana legalization and regulation. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, you know, absolutely. I do think, you know, if you're going to engage in commerce and you're going to sell marijuana, you're going to end up paying taxes on it uh, if you produced it or if you're retailing it. But... If you're producing it for yourself, it's no different than growing tomatoes in your garden. And, you know, pe farmers aren't taxed on food that they grow for themselves. 
And so I think as long as we have the provision within the, the law to produce our own, you know, like as caregivers or something like that, most of the laws, the medical laws and the many of the, uh, the newer recreational laws have provisions where people can grow a certain amount of plants for themselves. And so I think once that barrier is broken down, that, uh, you know, the plants that you produce for yourself aren't taxed, but the plants that you produce for commercial profit will be taxed. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's along the lines of any other um, commercial pursuit. You know, you can brew your own beer at home and the government's not going to come in and shut that down. But if you start selling beer to your, you know, neighbors and, and, and stuff like that, then now you're talking about a commercial thing. And then that's going to be ultimately uh, something that you're going to have to pay taxes on, I would imagine. As far as convincing the government to take uh, to the marijuana off of Schedule 1, I mean, I'd prefer if they just unscheduled it altogether. You know, you don't have here, here. nicotine or alcohol on any sort of a schedule. Yep. But if they have to, I mean, Schedule 3 is has medical uses, and uh, that can be researched. That'll open up a lot of the floodgates. You know, that also requires the FDA and the DEA to work with us, and they're way behind, you know, when it comes to... I think it's... I, I, I have to actually agree, um, you know, with... Um, oh, wow. I'm having I'm having a moment here. Um, MPP. Um, who's the head of MPP? Um, I'm having a mental block at the moment. Whatever. He said it doesn't matter whether it's Schedule 1, Schedule 3, Schedule 2. The schedule's a joke. It needs to be removed from the schedule altogether. Um, it doesn't need to be regulated like a drug. It needs to be regulated, you know. If anything, if it needs to be regulated, it needs to be regulated... Uh, like alcohol and tobacco, and there's no schedules for them, as you said, Danny. You know, one thing which which I also want want to interject is that you know people people have said to me, you know, well, if, if weed becomes legal, then what are you know you going to do? What things are going you know? What's what's high times going to do? Like, what are all these you know things going to do that revolve around it if it's going to become so commonplace? And I, my answer to that is is simple: you have McDonald's and you have Ruth's Chris. There are people that eat at McDonald's and there are people that eat at Ruth's Chris. And it's going to be the same exact thing with cannabis. You know, there's going to be people that are not going to want to have the higher end quality cannabis and they're going to, you know, want the dollar menu uh, selection. Then you're going to have the people that want, you know, the Ruth's Chris filet mignon with all the trimmings, you know, on it as well. And there's going to be a fair trade market. At least I envision well, and I see that, and I see that happening, you know. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's similar to something like cigars or wine. You know, there's there's the connoisseurs and there's um, you know the the rest of the people. But I think that once people get a taste of what the connoisseur stuff is like, they're going to flock to it. And I think we'll have probably a lot less need for you know Marlboro and Monsanto and companies like that. Once people get an understanding that you know they're not going to get the highest the highest quality product out of out of those companies, that's why I'm not you know the, a conspiracy guy. I don't you know I'm not in, afraid of corporate interest in our industry. I think we're, we're much more of a self-regulating industry. And I think that, you know, the, the, the quality over quantity argument um, works very well when the prices are reduced for cannabis to a reasonable, you know, non-prohibition based level. And I do think that uh, people are going to reject the sort of mass produced stuff a lot more than they do, I think, with alcohol or with tobacco or anything else. I think we've really got something like 
a real connoisseurship kind of based market. And certainly there will be people who just want what's cheap, but I think once the prices adjust, people will be able to get good bud for low prices and not have to go um, to some big corporate entity. And as far as high times in legalization, I mean, we've been held back by legal right. by by exactly. prohibition for 40 years. Uh, next right. year is our 40 year anniversary. I think we'll, we will thrive all the, all the more Absolutely. as long as we keep up with what our readership demands. And our readership, I think, would grow based on how many people don't smoke purely because it's illegal. Yeah. So, I, I you know, I'm not afraid of legalization at all. I'm, I have no. Uh, qualms about it. I think we have to do it. I think there's so many, so much suffering based in prohibition of marijuana that you know it's our moral and ethical duty to free this plant. And if you know prices plummet or corporate corporations jump in, that's really a minor thing comparatively to the uh, the injustice of marijuana prohibition. I mean, well, <laughs> I can't yeah, yeah, get into it for hours, but. I hear from people every day who, right. who their families have been torn apart, their dogs have been you know, murdered yeah. by agents in raids, they've been um, basically, you know, their home has been invaded by SWAT teams of people over flowers. It's just absolutely one of the most horrendous injustices of our time, in my yeah. opinion. So It is. It, it, it's, it's, it, truly, it's truly, it truly is horrible. You know, across, I mean, across the board with, with the way that people are persecuted over a flower, um, you know, and, and lives are ruined for sure. You know, and, and I tell people this, you know, and, and you kind of mentioned it when I was listening to one of your panel discussions at, at the U.S. Cannabis Cup in Seattle, um, is that what pe- some people don't understand when they look at the big picture of the world of cannabis is that we, the, the people that, 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 know how to, that know how to grow and, and you know, out there, we are the people that control the market. So like, you know, the top growers are not business people. They're not like, yeah, I mean, they are, but you know, they're not corporate America types, you know, you know what I'm saying, Dan? It's like, whatever, mm-hmm. we, we are the people that control the market, you know, and, and we, we don't have to let go of that control, you know? So that's one thing that we have in our corner, as opposed to like, you know, Walmart can't come in and say, okay, we're going to open shop, you know, and start selling mm-hmm. and start selling weed because they're not going to be able to get, you know, the quality producers and the quality geneticists and, you know, whatnot to, to create, you know, ridiculous strains that like the ones we have. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's what I say about, you know, the corporations. That we, there's a lot of people, um, even within our industry, that have this sort of paranoid fear. And to me, it's like they, the corporations and, and all these big money people, they need us more than we need them. Absolutely. We have, we've, we've, <laughs> operated an underground economy for many, many years, and we really don't need them to help us. And so if they need us, then we can dictate the terms by which they um, enter into our world. Absolutely. um, I do believe in self-regulation as an important thing, and I think that it's up to us as an industry really to sort of self-regulate. Absolutely. You know, because we actually truly... As it stands right now, as you said, we have the power to do it. They need us more than, you know, we need them because, you know, it is what it is. We've been doing what we've been doing forever, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. so it's, it, you know, people don't seem to understand. And they were no friend. They've been no friend to us thus far, you know, no. with very few, with very few exceptions. There, there's really been no 
support from, you know, the corporate world, the banking world, any of those worlds. No. So, you know, if anything, you know, we should guard our um, hugely emerging industry now against, you know, their tactics and fraud and, and things that they might yeah. want to apply to our industry because, you know, we do have good people who know what they're doing. Yeah, when I was at Hemfest, I had an opportunity to uh, talk with a few, you know, a few different people. You know, I mean, how it goes, you know, at, at Hemfest. Um, you know, so this individual, you know, he's ambitious. He, you know, came from big, you know, technology, and you know, he wants to just boom into the whole, you know, corporate cannabis business. And I had a chance to talk with him for a couple couple hours, actually. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and and I said to him, I said, look, you know. Uh, you know, the whole idea of a corporate takeover cannabis is not ideal, but if you feel the necessity to go ahead and open multiple dispensaries and things like that, so on and so forth, it's important to go ahead and keep everything local. You know, make sure your growers are local, your employees are local, you know, importing cannabis from elsewhere, if, if that ever became an option, would be silly. You know, the whole idea is, you know, if you want to become you know, a large corporation and have different entities, make sure that at least your, your businesses that you own keep the business local. You know, and I, I think that could be somewhat of a solution because, you know what, sometimes, you know, people who have a great dream, you know, need people with money to make that dream come true. So, you know, but I think that it's important that we let people that come in as quote unquote corporate cannabis that, you know, it's important to make sure that everything stays local, even if their corporate offices may not be. I mean, cause I still Absolutely. think, I still and think it's that up to us to keep them ethical and responsible yeah. Because you know they they need us, and uh, you know we're we're their key to this industry, and so how we behave and how we um, you know check them and monitor them is the important thing. I, I'm not afraid of their their money and, and their investments because that's going to happen. They see a huge industry emerging, and they're not wrong. They're totally right. But uh, you know, like you said, it's 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 our duty to just keep it as, as pure as yeah. we can and make sure that, you know, the right people are making the decisions for this huge industry that's going to happen. I mean, we have so many plans at high times right now mm -hmm. um, for the future, you know, as far as, I, you know, I don't want to even get into all of the details, but there there's a, a, a new horizon happening. And, oh, and there's this, this industry is going to really, you know, blossom and flourish in the very near future it, it already is but the sky's the limit i mean they just yeah. today approved um you know they just started taking the applications for recreational sales in colorado yep. uh that's real that's going to happen in 2014 and you know people are gearing up for that that's going to be really huge the plants the the the, the pot the legal recreational pot that people are going to be smoking in 2014 is actually growing right now yep it's in the ground you know it's in the ground and it's growing so you know that's the reality of the situation and um there's going to be a huge you know learning curve and a huge sort of shake-up when that happens but it's real and it's happening and there's you know it's only gonna it's only gonna blossom into more and more states until you know it's recognized on a federal level and then worldwide right uh, yeah I, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, you know, you know, I think that the United States really was the country that perpetuated reefer madness to begin with throughout the world. And once, you know, it topples here, the you know, the, the ripple effect will happen just like it did with the reefer madness, but in the opposite way. 
you know, which I mean, and it is exciting times and it is exciting to be, you know, I guess a part of the group of people that that are that are those people that people are going to need to go to to say hey, the the who, hows and whys of, of where to go with it, you know, and, and it is an exciting thing. And, you know, just the last three to five years alone and the changes that I made from when I started doing this, you know, all the thing I started doing with advocacy to today, you know, the changes, you know, I, you know, as much as I hate to say it, that's what I've been working for, but now I'm actually seeing it happen, which is kind of cool, you know? So it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's I, awesome. like I said, I, I feel the same way. It, it, for a long time we were fighting so hard. It was like, will, will, will this ever happen? And now it's just a question of how soon and how it's going to happen because yeah. it's happening. Right. You know, you know, and I like to say, you know, like, you know, once that first domino falls, dominoes fall much more quickly, or a house of cards is the same way. Yep. Um, it's really, prohibition of marijuana is built on a bunch of lies, and once those, you know, lies start being figured out by, you know, regular people who don't even smoke <laughs> marijuana, uh, then it's over, and we've well, got, speak- you know, women and seniors on our side, yeah. we've got the LGBT community on our side, we've got... Yep. The majority of the public, it's just, you know, the politicians are behind, the pharmaceutical companies are obviously against us, the you know, police unions and the prison guards are against us, but that's not insurmountable. You know, there were people who were against no. civil rights, there were people against um, many of the, you know, big social changes, there were people who were against repealing alcohol prohibition, plenty of them, but there just weren't enough, right. and that's where we're at now, and so yeah, I mean, one it of- is exciting. It is exciting for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been working on this thing, and I know, like, the first time I met you years ago, and you probably don't even remember because you talked to a million people, I had this conceptual idea of a Weed Not Greed tour, which is edu- going around educating people, you know, about cannabis. So we kind of kicked that up into into big, into big uh, top gear uh, coming into election year 2014. So we're going to be, uh, you know, doing this Weed Not Greed tour, and we're going to be going out really to educate people and just having candid conversations with people. And hopefully it'll make a dent, you know, and, and when they start seeing this 45-foot bus pulling up places with, you know, uh, advocacy messages and whatnot on it there you know it's definitely gonna be a topic conversation and uh we're gonna have all the information people need to debunk the reefer madness so uh i'm looking forward to to working on that project and, and getting it rolling um but back to you as as senior cultivation uh editor for high times magazine i'm actually gonna you know ask you a couple questions here because you know show's running short but we got some questions but um what are, would you say, in your opinion, are the top three don'ts when you're growing? Don'ts? Don'ts. I would say uh, don't overfeed. That's a big problem. People think the more plant food they give a plant, the bigger it's going to grow. That's not the case. Uh, there's a diminishing returns kick in very quickly. Um, most nutrients are quite concentrated. You know, I recommend people... Or rather than even follow the instructions on the bottle, do like half strength of what a bottle says and, you know, only add more if you're seeing like signs of uh, nutrient deficiency like yellow leaves. I think a lot of the nutrient companies and a lot of people just think the more we use, the bigger these will grow and it's not, it's not the case at all. So I think overfeeding, then uh, second, I would say overwatering. I think a lot of times people... Um, keep their mediums far too uh, far too moist, and that leads to root rot and all kinds of other issues. And then the third don't is don't ignore 
pH levels. pH is uh, potential hydrogen, and it's basically a, le- a measure of acidity versus alkalinity. And, you know, you want your pH really basically between like 5.5 and 6.5, depending. I mean, hydroponics could be a little lower, 5.5, 5.8. With soil, you want, you know, 6.3, 6.5. But uh, basically, um, hold on a second, I got to somebody in. Sorry about that. Um, Basically... Uh, the pH is very important, and then a lot of times people misdiagnose um, nutrient deficiencies or uh, overfeeding, and instead what's happening is the nutrients are there, but the plant's not able to take it in because pH is off. You know, the soil is too acidic or too alkaline, and um, then they end up giving it more nutrients, and then it only compounds the problem. So I think that that's really important, and not only testing the pH of the water that you add, the nutrient solution, but also the water as it comes out of the bottom of your container, because that'll give you an indication of your medium, uh, the pH of your actual medium, and not just the water that you're adding. But uh, yeah, long story short, those are my three don'ts. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Another question we have here uh, is... Hydro or soil, or does it not matter? Uh, you know, there's benefits to either one. You know, obviously, soil is more forgiving. Uh, if there, a problem arises and you're growing in soil, you have a bit of time that you can fix it, and it's not uh, a re- always a really dire situation. The problems come on a little slower, and they're, you're able to deal with them slower. With hydro, you can have a problem, and... In one hour, all your plants could be dead, and so it's a lot less forgiving. But you know, I always tell people like if you're if you're kind of more of a green thumb and more inclined to uh, to you know growing house plants, and you've grown up around agriculture like that, you're going to be better off going with soil. And if you're more technically minded and you know more interested in you know uh, formulas and math and science and things that hydro might be your best bet, but um, like I said, there's pros and cons to both. When hydro's fully dialed in and running properly, um, you know, you get really explosive growth and plants, you can practically watch the plants grow uh, when you're growing hydroponically. Soil is, you know, slow and steady wins the race, but, you know, if if it's up to me and I'm growing for myself, I think I'm going with soil and I'm going to go with either veganic or some kind of an organic feeding regimen, staying on the light side of feeding. And if I was growing, you know, for a dispensary um, under, you know, in some kind of a warehouse type situation, you know, you really don't want to be throwing tons of soil away every two months or so. So I might switch to a hydro application at that point. Um, But, you know, like I said, each has its pros and cons, and it's really up to the grower what they want to do. Um, and what they're sort of geared up more towards. But for the home grower, I would say a soilless mix, which is basically, you know, soil, any kind of the soil that you can buy at a store. All right. Um, I think... Man, I, I, I have one question for you before I leave. When's the, when is the last time that you paid for, for, for wheat? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. When's the last time you paid for marijuana? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> when was the last time I paid? 
for marijuana. Wow, that's it's been a long time. I mean, you know, I, I'm not as you know heavy of a smoker all the time as people would imagine. I, I smoke my share clearly. You know, at the events, um, you know, it's always free, but. <laughs> You know, I mean, I you know, I live in New York City, so there's there's obviously times when, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, yeah, as far as that question, I can't I, I can't remember the last time I <laughs> I pay for it. But you know, there's never more than just a little bit laying around. Yep. Yeah. Enough, I just I to know that. <laughs> yeah, there there there's some people that have this like vision, I guess, or this 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 thought. You know that that you know I don't know I've had people say to me it's like oh dude you probably have like pounds of weed in your closet I'm like uh, yeah no <laughs> you know it doesn't it doesn't work <laughs> no, like that not at all. it does does not, not work all. like you that know, you know I'm pretty tame when it comes to that sort of thing just uh, I was like you know a little bit of head stash and you know you know the that, that's enough for me the events in itself you know as far as I'm concerned you know <laughs> you know can keep me going for a while. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, I spend most of the events just giving away pot myself that's been given to me. Um, you know, obviously if something really special comes around, I'm going to, uh, keep it, you know, for myself and (laughs) and smoke it with my friends. But, you know, we get, we get all the entries and all of that and, you know, it's fun to just share it and spread it around. And that's kind of where the concept of free weed came from. It was like, isn't it so much better when it's free? you know, or close to free. So that's really, yeah, that's where that came from. And, you know, it's a, it's an honor and it's a pleasure to sort of be that way, but I think it could be that way for many more people and it will be in the near future. Yeah. I'm a very big believer in, you know, I like that. I'm going to send you my address on Facebook then. (laughs) 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 Uh, So I'm going to get out of here. Dan, it was great talking to you. And, uh, David, I will see you on Wednesday night with uh, right. Mr. Blatcher. Poe, have a good show, man. Enjoy. Thanks. Um, so, Dan, i got a couple more questions, then we'll uh, call it a night. Um, so you mentioned uh, veganics, organics, uh, non-organic. Um, people are interested to know, like, is there – I mean, I have my opinion. I, I personally feel – and I can't say about veganics because, you know, I, I really haven't had that much experience with, with – you know, testing them or trying them out. Um, but I definitely know I can tell a difference between organically grown cannabis and non-organically grown cannabis. Um, what is your take on that? Um, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, people know me, I prefer organic cannabis. I prefer it to be really lightly fed and really well flushed. And I think people have the misconception that you don't have to flush, um, if you're using organic nutrients, but you really do. And I would say, two weeks before you plan to harvest, um, which is tough a lot of times for people to determine that time. You really have to kind of dial in a certain strain and really know when you're two weeks before your harvest, but you just give it plain water and that will sort of leach out or flush out a lot of those excess nutrients. But if you've used very little nutrients, which is kind of the the concept behind veganics, and if people want to check out kylecushman.com, they can learn more about veganics there. Um, but basically it's like beyond organic. There's no, uh, slaughterhouse products, no bone meal, no blood meal, no, uh, bat guano or seabird guano, which is basically, you know, poop. (laughs) And, you know, it's using kelp and, which is seaweed and minerals and things that you can get from the ocean, things like that, um, to feed your plants very minimally. 
and just enough for them to, you know, produce the essential oils that you want them to produce and to flower, but without you know, overfeeding them. And you'll notice if you see um, plants with like burnt tips on the leaves, those are overfed plants. And, you know, we've even had those pictures in high times. It's, right. it's kind of inevitable, particularly with hydro, um, that plants get a little bit overfed. And so that's one of my crusades is kind of convincing people to feed their plants a little less. And the nutrient companies, it's in their best interest to sell you more nutrients. They know that, you know, even if you sort of overfeed, you're not going to kill the plants necessarily, but you're going to be using more nutrient and you'll be back to buy another bottle much sooner. But I do think that uh, you can go with a lot less than what they you typically recommend uh, and still pull off, you know, better tasting, better burning, um, cleaner white ash, you know, all those things that differentiate, you know, decent pot from really good pot. Yeah. I, I definitely concur with that assessment, and I, and I tell people for sure that flushing is, is a big deal. You know, people don't even realize. Flushing and curing, I think, really can make or break, you know, some of the cannabis as well, even if it's grown properly. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely, it's important, but I should also mention that cannabis cups, cup, cannabis cups have been won with bud that's been grown with chemical nutrients, general hydro, advanced nutrients, things like that. As long as they're properly flushed, um you know, they, it can be done. And things like the Lucas formula um, is a great way, if you're going to use chemical nutrients, to sort of minimize how much you use, which will ultimately, um, you know, minimize the difference between chemical, chemically grown um, pot and organic pot. And by, by chemically grown, I just mean that the nitrogen, the potassium, and the phosphorus were developed in a laboratory um, rather than derived from a natural source. Um, the compound is the same. You know, the N, P, and K are the same. It's just how small are those molecules? How able are they to be, um, you know, uptaken by the roots and absorbed and processed into um, the flowers that we're after? So, you know, that's that's where I would say, um, you know, I, I prefer organic pot. Most of the people I know do. But, there's you know, there's nothing about chemically grown pot that's like, horrific or, or something people should shy away from yeah i mean I, I i mean there are purists out there and you know i prefer you know organically you know and i'm assuming mm -hmm. i'm probably veganically grown as well just you know i and i guess after a long time and 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 you know i'm, I'm not gonna say like i guess mass consumption is the wrong term you know whatever i guess you kind of figure out like the things that you like more so than like i guess a a, a i don't know a, a casual um smoker um but you know i definitely agree with the assessment of you know if you have a groove and you do it well um the key really is just flushing is just really flushing your plant well and and uh, mm -hmm. you know the curing part um one last question and then you know we'll we'll call it an can, evening can i follow up on that a little bit yeah, yeah go for ahead. A second? Yeah, yeah please one one of the key one of the keys to that is um you know when we're judging a cannabis cup and we're judging strains a lot of times in a certain category you'll have the same exact strain. You'll have OG Kush in the Indica category, and you might have five or six of them that are grown literally from, like, the same clone. But the difference is how well it burns, and, you know, burnability is very important when it comes down to, you know, distinguishing what's top ten, what's top three. And so that's when you're not just judging the strain, you're judging the grower and how well they were able to, you know, feed this plant. And so 
that is important, and that's what, you know the emphasis on uh, curing and flushing is very important. And it's something that most commercial growers overlook or just don't bother doing because you know it's difficult to do on a large scale. But people should definitely pay more attention to it. Yeah, I, I definitely concur. Now, there was one thing which was talked about, and that was the the three days or whatever it is of darkness after you know your cycles done um do you have any do you have any input or insight in that because i kind of i kind of heard it before and then i heard it reiterated before Mm -hmm. i've heard of of that sort of thing you know the idea that you're going to shock your plants into producing more essential oils or or something like that but i don't really subscribe to it i think um you know a day or two of darkness prior to harvest isn't going to uh destroy anything either you know it's not going to cost you on your yield or anything like that. It's just, um, you know, the important thing is to harvest, uh, dry, you know, like so that the, the, um, your soil mix or whatever it might be, isn't like super saturated with water because that's just going to make the whole process uh, more difficult and, and prolong it. But I, you know, I don't subscribe to any of those sort of shocking your plants at the last minute to sort of do something. People were talking about, you know, putting their roots in boiling water or, you know, yeah. changing the life cycles. And I just think if you've done everything right for the, you know, three months or so that it took to go through vegetative growth and into flowering and everything, those last two or three days really aren't going to make a huge difference one way or another. But if it makes you happy or if it saves you money on electricity, then, you know, by all means do it. But don't do it at the expense of paying attention to the major things like watering and, and feeding and pest control and and you know, making sure there's enough light and making sure there's not too much heat and those sort of things. Those are the big major links in the chain. And then something like, you know, three days of darkness at the end is pretty minor. If you want to do it and if you want to do two plants side by side and see if there's a difference, it's interesting, but it's not something I would focus a lot of attention on. Gotcha. All right, one last question we have here from Patty. Uh, She said, why does the dirt have to be tossed after the grow? Um, well, reusing dirt is a bit problematic just because if you had any issues with pests or uh, powdery mildew or anything like that, then that's going to follow that soil wherever it goes. It's very difficult once you've had something like that, um, any kind of pathogen, pretty much any kind of problem you might have. If everything went super smooth and you feel like reusing soil, you really, I mean, you've got to mix it all up, you know, try to get as much of the uh, root matter out of it add new, um, you know, supplements to to re-fortify it because it's most likely um, very depleted of nutrients. And, I, I, you know, I honestly, I wouldn't recommend it. It's just, uh, it's more problematic than just buying new soil. And what you can do is you can put that old soil into a vegetable garden or anything else that you've got outside like that. Um, If you have fruit trees or anything else, you can put it out there, and it's it's actually quite beneficial um, in an outdoor garden. If you mix it right into your soil, it'll aerate your soil. It's almost like using, you know, with mild compost, it'll, um, if you have a clay soil, it will make it much looser. If you have a really loose soil, it'll, it'll strengthen it up a bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think it's more problematic. Uh, I do know people who reuse their growing mediums. Um, most of them have failed at it a few times before they succeeded. And uh, I, I just think it's more trouble than it's worth. 
Yeah, I, I agree, and I like the idea. I mean, I, I know that you know the old soil is great for composting and great to add to like your garden and stuff. So that's definitely uh, you know I recommend people to do that as well. And and truth be told, the soil is really not that expensive, you know, and especially if you got yeah. your mix down to do it right. Um, so that's pretty much about all we got for this evening. But Danny, do you have um a couple things? When is uh, free weed? Do you have a schedule for that? Do you want to let anyone know about that? And uh, um, do you have any not other? Not really a schedule at the moment. We pretty much put out an episode every couple of weeks. Um, we call them like every fortnight, basically. And um, you know, we're hoping to improve on that in the coming uh, you know year or so. We want to get more more, uh, more consistency with the show. Um, you know, part of that involves like you know having sponsorships and people supporting our sponsors. But um, you know, we're we're on show number forty three right now. Uh, we just put up a new one yesterday, and it's doing great. It's our panel from Seattle, which you actually mentioned earlier. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're I'm excited about it. I love giving it away, <laughs> and you know, having that model where people can listen to it all they want, and all they have to do is sit through a couple of ads or something for the for the you know for having to get it for free they listen to a couple of ads and then we can charge our sponsors instead of charging the general public and you know that way i think it's everybody wins and i feel like i reach more people that way and i i you know i just i love doing it i really do um it's grown on me we've gotten a ton of great response so um if people want to check us out we're on facebook uh, they can check out my twitter at danny danko um Free weed uh, is at hightimes.com slash freeweed. You can see all the episodes there. You can listen to, uh, um, you can download it, you can stream it, you can go to iTunes and you know, rate it and all that. So it's been fun. You know, I, I was new to broadcasting when I started and I'm still new to broadcasting now, but uh, I don't know. It's just, It's been a really fun and I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I concur. I'm I'm relatively new. I just started doing, you know, this uh in in uh February. So, uh, you know, and I've kind of it's kind of grown in leaps and bounds faster than, you know, I ever expected it to, and it's kind of cool. Um, you know, yeah. I def I definitely enjoy doing that and, you know, I'll I'll ring on the thoughts of yes, uh Cannabis Network Radio is on on Facebook and iTunes and all that jazz and rate us as well. And as a matter of fact, someone actually made a comment is that they enjoy listening to my show, but I ain't got nothing on free weed. That's actually a comment somebody <laughs> left. That someone left on me on Cannabis Network well, Radio's iTunes. I think there's room for all of us out there, and uh, you know we try to focus on the cultivation aspect for the most part. But it's it is important to have the activism and and you know people from the business community and all of that. And so I applaud you for what you're doing. Hey, we got and, a bit of everything yeah, on our cool. show. So, but thank you so much. Um, is there any other shout outs or sites or anything you need to tell people about, or you're pretty much good to go? Yeah, I mean, I'd just say if you're interested in Cannabis Cup, check out CannabisCup.com. We're going to be doing uh, a bunch more stateside in the U.S. We've got uh, uh, San Bernardino coming up in February. We've got uh, um, Denver in, in April and then uh, um, San Francisco, Richmond in June. And, you know, we're trying to put together uh, other ones as well regionally. So cool. we're excited about our events. Uh you know, hightimes.com slash freeweed is where the podcast lives. Uh, it's on SoundCloud. It's like, you know, uh, I'm at Danny Danko at pretty much everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Vine, all that stuff. And, yeah, just, uh, you know, 
keep up the good work and thanks thank for all the support and absolutely thank you uh, you know and i'm looking high forward. times is, is our it's our 40 year anniversary next year so we're going to be rolling out party, a bunch party, of stuff party. for that and so I'll be looking for an invitation for the 40th part anniversary party, you know, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to actually uh, taking Cannabis Net Radio and being in Amsterdam, too, and, and thank you for accommodating and helping out with that. Appreciate it. So. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a, a good time. I'm excited, and uh, a, a lot of interesting developments are happening. People should stay tuned to Absolutely. our com page because yep. um, the artists will be announced and all kinds of interesting things that we're working on. Cool. Danny, thank you so much for being on Cannabis Network Radio. It was a pleasure. Um, I will return the favor anytime you want to embarrass yourself and have me on your show. Um, but uh, thank you so much for everything. Thank you for all your support um, and, and everything that you do. Um, and thank you for all the knowledge you impart to all the aspiring uh, uh, you know, growers out there. Um, I'm sure they appreciate wow. it. So thank you for everything, and I hope you have a good night and be safe. And I will talk at you, I'm, so, I'm sure, sometime soon. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Keep up the great work. And uh, let me know. I'd love to have you on the show. So let's keep in touch, and I'll see you soon. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Have a good night. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, short but sweet episode Danny Danko. I'm sure we have like a million other questions people want to ask, but our time is short. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have them on again. But uh, we're going to hopefully put a show together uh, from the Cannabis Cup. Um We'll keep you posted about that. We have Robert Platchorn coming up on uh, Monday. Um, and then I don't remember who we have Wednesday, but uh, check uh, cannetradio.com. Uh, all kinds of changes to the site. We have interactive chat. We have who's coming up, so on and so forth. Uh, go on iTunes, rate us, you know, download us. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Thank you to us, all our you know, supporters. Uh, we are listener supported, so if you see that donate button on our website, go ahead and uh, feel free to donate anything. Kind of helps out. So uh, again, I hope everyone has a good, safe night, and until uh, Monday, uh, have a great evening. And this is signing off, Cannabis Network Radio.